Good morning, Sunrise. On this beautiful summer week, well, it's still spring, but it feels like summer, right? Summer weekend. It is good to be here with you, worshiping with you and singing with you. Why don't you guys stand with us? We celebrate on this Pentecost Sunday as we recognize the Holy Spirit um, coming and descending on the, on the church. So we're going to sing, we're going to praise today and invite the Holy Spirit with us. So as we sing, we praise you. Let's sing together. Down every 
melody of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you We live for you goodness of God. 
Jesus, today we abide in you. We rest in your presence. Help us to be aware of your presence even now. God, thank you that you've been faithful throughout our lives. You have been with us through it all in the lowest of the valleys and the highest of mountaintops. And we can declare together this morning that you are good. And God, thank you that our worship today is not only what draws us close to you, but it's a weapon to push back the enemy. Help us to remember that you have given us the gift of worship to slay the giants in our lives. We bless you today, Lord. We give you all the honor and glory and praise. Amen. You guys can take a seat. Well, I have a few announcements to bring your way this morning, but before I do that, I'd like to just welcome you all once again. Thank you for joining us today in worship, and for all of you guys online joining us as well. Um, if this it happens to be your first time here with us this morning in the sanctuary or online, we want to bless you with a gift. Um, what you have to do if you're here in the sanctuary is um, they'll scan that QR code with your phone in front of you, or if you're online, click that little link that's going to pop up about the connection card. That'll draw you to our website where you can fill out a form. There's a couple of questions that we have for you. You can ask us a couple of questions, and that's while you're at the website. You can peruse around a bit and kind of get to know us a little bit better. And when you fill out your information, we're going to send you a little gift in the mail later this week just for hanging out with us today. So thanks for doing that. So a few announcements. Um, you may have seen this a little bit of communication we've had going out, but next Sunday, starting Memorial Day, and all the way through the summer until Labor Day, our service time is going to bump back to 9 a.m. Um, we are going to stay inside this summer. Last summer, we were outside kind of hanging out and enjoying the sun and the heat all summer long, but this summer, we are going to stay inside and enjoy the air conditioning, but we're going to bump back the service to 9 o'clock just to give us a little more time to enjoy the rest of the beautiful summer um, weather throughout the summer. So 9 a.m. next week. Um, partnership class on June 6th. We are aiming to have that. We already have a couple of families signed up. If, you're, if you've been coming to Sunrise for a bit and um, have not become a partner, but you kind of wonder what that means, uh, we're going to talk all about the history of Sunrise, what it means to be a partner, um, our values, what we value here at Sunrise. We'll get to hear a bit of Dan Fisher's story and meet the rest of the staff as well. That's going to be right after the service on June 6th, so two weeks away. Um, I, I think we've said in the past couple announcements there'll be lunch provided afterwards, but now that we've bumped the service back to 9 a.m., it's a little early for lunch at 10.15. So we're going to just have some snacks and refreshments provided as well, and child care. So if you're interested, head to the website. Um, that QR code will take you there as well on the announcement page. There's a spot for partnership class. Click on that and sign up. Um, next, Three's Company. We talked about this a couple weeks in a row. Super fun way, easy way to connect with others here at Sunrise to meet maybe a few people. Three's Company is we, we join three different families or couples or singles up together. You guys meet three times over the course of three months, hence Three's Company. Super easy way, chill way. You guys can hang out at a park, go to a coffee shop, a restaurant, at someone's house. You guys can host. You take turns hosting and deciding what you're going to do. So super easy way to connect Again, that QR code or the connection card or the um, announcement page, sign up for Three's Company there. And that'll get rolling in June. It's in a couple weeks. 
Um, next, our summer events calendar. We've been talking about this. It is finally done. We filled in all the events. Lots of fun, exciting things happening this summer. Um, those are, if you want a hard copy of that, they're out on the Connect table. If you like the dig- digital thing, you can get all this, also get that on the announcement page in the QR code or in the, in the link. And lastly, it's on the email that went out this morning and also um, on our website. So a billion different ways you guys can find that. All the events, all the fun things we have going on this summer. So check those out. And the first event on that calendar is coming up in a couple weeks, June 4. We're going to be having our summer sunrise camp out, out in the lawn out there. You guys can come on, I think around 6 to 8, 6, not a.m., p.m. with your tent. Um, we're going to have some s'mores, some games, some fun family hangout time. If the sun is allows us. We may have a movie shining on the barn, but if it's still too light, we'll do something else. But it'll be fun. Lots of fun. It'll be like Friday evening through Saturday morning. Um, lots of memories to be made having fun doing that. So that is my last announcement. A whole lot of them. If you forgot half of what I said, QR code. It's right there. Dan, what I remember you saying is that there are free snacks next week. Or June 6th. We've got to be here at 9 o'clock next week. Oh, good morning, everybody. How's it going? Good. I'm going to use a chair again. <clears throat> so, a while back, and I don't usually do this at the beginning. I'm going to extend the announcements just a little bit, but I think this is going to be a little more exciting. Um, I don't usually start out this way. My name is Dan. I do start out this way. My name is Dan Fisher. We're glad that you're here, whether you're here for the first time or you've been here for a long time. Um, this now is going to be the part that I don't usually do. We uh, let you know a while back that we were going to start looking at revamping our logo. Uh, That is a process that we started several months ago, and we're to the point now where we can share with you a couple of the versions of that logo. I would like to show those to you and walk you through a little bit of how we landed on the logo, and then welcome you guys to give us feedback over the next couple of weeks so that we can hear your thoughts before we make a final decision. And now that we, in making the final decision, is the elders. They're the group who we've empowered to make the final decision on what the logo will be. They have been involved in the process, along with the directors and the staff and a few other folks, from the very beginning all the way up to the point that we are right now. So, without further ado, here are two versions of a logo that have been put together. We hired someone to work with us. There's version one. I hear those oohs and ahs. Version 2. Now, they look very similar, you might say. Yes, but they are different colors. <laughs> so, uh, the designer that we worked with left us some notes that for us, as staff, elders, and directors, found very helpful in helping us understand why the logo looks the way that it does. So, according to our designer, top right there is where I'll start. This is a simple, clear iconography referencing the sun, in case you didn't know. But it's also incomplete. You can see that bottom right, bottom center to the right is kind of cut off. It can speak to our inclusive and invitational ethos. It conveys a sense that we do not have all of the answers, that we're learning too. This aligns with one of our values of being authentic. We are a real group of people that this church was birthed out of a group of people who found themselves to not be perfect, who wanted to find a landing place, create a landing place for more people who didn't find themselves to be perfect. So, the present angle, we'll move to that second box. The present angle throughout the mark leads every viewer up and to the right, so to speak. We're together on a journey. This also speaks to our value of community. We are a group of people who want to walk together, being authentic. Uh, This is why we talk about things like Three's Company. It's why we offer children's programming, student programming. It's opportunities for us to walk together, if you work in the business world, up and to the right in a way of progressing toward the things that God has for us. Bottom left, we have all lowercase letters to signal to the community that this is a safe place for everyone. The typography, that is the text, is bold, but it's not threatening. It's strong, but it's safe. These are the kinds of words that we accumulated from folks who gave us feedback at the very beginning of the kinds of things we wanted to say in our logo. Finally, there at the top left, three clouds there, the zoop, zoop, zap, zap, zaps, we call them in staff. Zap, zap, zaps. Dan Dupuy named them that. Um, They balance the overall look. They can also easily stand for any trifecta 
such as you, me, and us, Father, Son, and Spirit. So these are the different pieces that kind of went into creating this logo. Uh, To show you a couple of other versions of it, we could add kids, groups underneath Sunrise to help mark different places in the room or on the website. And then, of course, when it comes to a sign, we can add ministries there. We think that the individual who we hired, Justin, to help us walk through all of this process of landing at a logo has done an excellent job. He's done work with authors to create covers for books. He's worked with several organizations, churches, companies included to walk them through rebranding processes and all of that. Uh, He's a good friend of ours who's done a lot of good work, but we want to come to you and ask you again to share us, to share your feedback with us. So this is... May 23, right? Right? Okay. All right. (laughs) Next weekend is Memorial Day weekend. Don't forget. None of us will be here. I will be here. The following week is June 3. On that Sunday, kind of view that as like the deadline for you to give us feedback. Now, you can send us feedback by yanking one of us on the elbow after church and saying, hey, I want to talk to you about that. You can send an email to info at sunrisemen.org. We would love to interact with you about this, to hear your feedback again before a final decision is made. Does that all make sense? Great. I'm not going to ask you if you have questions because that's going to make you want to start asking them. But if you do, find someone after the service who's an elder, a director, or a staff person, and we'll help answer questions. All right. Father, we come to you this morning as a people who are increasingly aware of the fact that we are part of a story, that we are characters in a story that reaches all the way back to creation, that sweeps us up now in its currents of its themes and of its purposes and of its trajectory toward the culmination of all things. And so, God, we continue in this journey over these last several weeks of figuring out more of what the story is and how we can live into it well. So we pray that you would help us to do that. In Christ's name, amen. So the first place I want to stop this morning on our journey is this place. <clears throat> this is a drawing of the Tower of Babel. Now, if you've been following, if you know the storyline of Scripture, you might be wondering, why in the world are we talking about the Tower of Babel? This was way back over here in Genesis chapter 11. Well, you're right, it is. But the background of the story we're looking at today is very important. Um, Tower of Babel. I'm going to ask you guys to interact with me a little bit. Why was the Tower of Babel built? Does anybody know? I love it when this happens because everybody answers. What's that? To reach the heavens. Yes. Everybody in the world, everybody in the world, everybody in the area wanted to find a way to climb up to get to God. And so it was a very common thing for people to build what was a tower that would ascend up into the heavens and this was done for all kinds of various regional gods. So you could get up into the heavens and attain presence with God. Now, if you know the story, God was not very happy with the people of Israel and people from all these different communities trying to build a stairway to heaven. And so what happened as a result? As a result, the tower is destroyed and everyone speaks different languages, yes. Babel means confusion. It's actually not just, here's how you learn a new language, like it is today, but it was previously, even in its original form, meant confusion. That's why this tower is called the Tower of Babel. So to sum that up, you've got all kinds of people from different walks of life, different stations of life, different beliefs about who God is or which God is God, coming together to build in concert together, a stairway to heaven. And God looks at that and says, that's no good. And he destroys it, effectively taking away any opportunity for humanity to build a stairway to God. And he confounds people. He confuses them. He babbles them by scattering them and giving them different languages so that they could never again come together to try to build a stairway to heaven. I don't know if you've heard that story previously, but that's the story. Here is a picture, an aerial view of a location that they actually believe was the Tower of Babel. You can go to Babylon now, the ancient city of Babylon, and find this place. You can stand in the trenches there that are now filled with trees and bushes that at one point was the foundation 
for this Tower of Babel. So this is a physical place you can go to now that existed, that seeped, the story of which seeped itself deeply into the hearts of those who followed God. Deeply enough that it became part of the story that we read as we read Genesis chapter 11. Now the story we're coming to today is in Acts chapter 2. If you have your Bible with you, analog or digital, feel free to follow along. I don't have all of the verses of chapter 2 here. If we read through all of that, that's going to take a while. But I do have several verses here that I'll read together. So here, we're making a transition here. Kind of bundle up what we talked about with Tower of Babel right now. We're going to go to Acts 2, and you're going to see some comparisons that we'll draw between the two to help us see what's happening in the story of Pentecost. So here's what we read. When the day of Pentecost came... They were all together in one place. Sound familiar? Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Sound familiar? As the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. This, of course, would have happened about this time of year because the Pentecost is a celebration that began way back when Moses gave the law of God. Fifty days after the resurrection of Jesus was the time when God's people would come together and they would offer new, fresh grain sacrifices to God. And so people have gathered in Jerusalem to do this. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. There's no confusion, no babble. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Now, a lot of people think that what's happening is you've got like a stage full of apostles who are all speaking in different languages so that people understand what's happening. Really what's happening here, here, as we will find out later, is that Peter is speaking, and as he is speaking, somehow between the vocal cords of his throat and the ears of the people who are listening, the Holy Spirit comes in, translates those words into the language of the people who are used to hearing them in their own language, so that they can understand what he's saying. So you have Peter, who's up here speaking, let's say I'm Peter, speaking in English, If you're a Spanish speaker over here, you speak Portuguese over here, you speak Mandarin over here, as I say the same words in English, they're landing as Spanish, Portuguese, and Mandarin. This is a bananas kind of thing. So in this group, you have Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius of Asia, Phyrga, Pamphylia, Egypt, and other parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? For generations, we have been told the story that we have different languages as a result of us trying to reach out to God, and now we're gathered together as people scattered all over the world, and we have one person speaking, but we can all understand what's happening. What is going on? It's a huge crowd of people, all different backgrounds, different last names, different facial hair. And then a Baptist speaks up and says, they've had too much wine. Someone does actually say, they made fun of them. (laughs) Said they've they've had too much wine. So Peter stands up with the eleven, he raised his voice, and he addresses the crowd. Still continuing in what has already been described. You have Peter who is speaking, and the people who are there are able to understand in their own language what Peter is saying. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, all of you who have come from all other kinds of places, and all of you who live here, listen to this. Let me explain what's happening to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people aren't drunk like like you suppose. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Come on, who does that? No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Remember what's in the story that precedes this moment is what Peter is saying. Joel writes these words as a prophet of Israel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. 
your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. This is a text that very much echoes what happens in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis 11, we have the Tower of Babel where everyone comes together speaking one language and they're separated because they're trying to find a way up to God and they speak different languages. In chapter 12 of Genesis, we have Abraham who is called out by God. He is named as someone who would go and do something, someone who would become an ambassador on behalf of the God of heaven. And so any Jewish person here who knew this story of what happened at the Tower of Babel and the following story with the call of Abraham would expect something very specific to be happening, but the doors are blown off what's going to happen because Peter doesn't say, you right there. He says, all of you, first graders, retired people, little girl, Little boy, person who's got it all put together, which in that day and age would have been the young men, you who don't have any rights, which in those days would have been women, I'm going to pour out my spirit on you. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's a whole lot of imagery that's going on there, but there's going to be all kinds of calamity that's happening in the world, both physically, the smoke, the blood, all that kind of stuff, but also metaphorically, there are going to be all kinds of difficult things that happen throughout your life, but my spirit is going to be with you, is what Paul is saying, Peter is saying. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried. Here we go. This tells us a little bit about where this story is happening. King David is a big deal for the people of Israel. He's a super important guy. His tomb, you can still visit today, is found here at the bottom. You can see that yellow circle kind of area. Everything kind of up and to the center on this slide is Jerusalem. It's where you can go now, and it's actually sliced into sections that part of it is owned and managed by Coptics, some of it by Muslims, some of it by Roman Catholics, some of it by Christians. This is a really big deal. What's happening in this area is super important. Peter is standing here somewhere close enough to this place where King David, the one who made Israel a nation, is buried. And he points to this tomb. (laughs) He says, this guy is important. Listen to what I'm going to say. Now, this guy is still important today. You can go to this place. Millions of dollars have been spent to refurbish this place. And you can see here a gentleman who's praying next to the tomb of King David. King David is a big deal in the story of Israel, in the story of God. So it's in light of this that Paul says, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. He was a prophet, and he knew that God had promised him an oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. King David is a big deal. He's basically the Alcunia of the time, if it was baseball. My son loves the Braves. Acuna is a left fielder who plays for the Braves right now, and he's leading all of baseball in home runs, RBIs, batting average, all that kind of stuff. My son loves to tell me about this. If you follow baseball, if you love stats, this year you are paying attention to Robert Acuna Jr. He's a big deal. Every Israelite was paying attention to the story of King David because he was a big deal. He was the Elvis Presley for some of you. He was the jam. Peter points over to his tomb and he says, that guy over there who was such a big deal, the MVP, the greatest leader our country has ever had, he is buried and he is still there. And even he knew that someone greater than him was going to come. He goes on to say that he was not abandoned to this realm of the dead, this Jesus who came after him. 
nor did his body see decay. God has raised Jesus to life, and we're all witnesses of it. All of us know this is true. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and Peter, and said to Peter and the apostles, Bruh, what should we do? This is a completely disorienting reality for them. I mean, this would be, I don't even know what the, the contemporary equivalent of this would be. This is huge. People coming together of different languages, different backgrounds, wanting to find a way to God. And instead of building a stairway to Him, God sends down His Spirit in such a way that the words that land on the people's ears are words of inclusion, words of empowerment. And of course people ask the question, well, what in the world are we supposed to do with this? So Peter says to them, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise about God being with you is not for people who speak French. It's not just for people who have a master's degree. It's not just for people who have done the right things growing up. This promise is for you and your children and for everyone who is far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And so what do the, what do these people who are gathered in Jerusalem do? They begin to gather together. They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. Tell us about what it is that this Jesus taught the people who first followed him. They dedicated themselves to prayer, to the breaking of bread, that's communion, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all these believers from all over the place were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together three's company with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Okay, that's a bunch of information to throw at you. Let's take a step back. So again, we have this story in the Tower of Babel of a group of people, diverse people coming together, and they're working together only to find a way to God, and God responds to that by saying, you cannot build a stairway to heaven. And he scatters them and confuses them by giving them their own language. Fast forward to now, Acts chapter 2. And there's a long history between the two of families, of generations growing up, struggling to know the language of other people around them. We know what this is like today. And yet there is this huge religious gathering after Jesus has died where collections of people from all countries are coming together. All they know that they're supposed to do as people who are Jewish is to come together and give a sacrifice to God. And they can't even do that at this Pentecost. They don't come together. We have nothing that Luke writes. Luke is the writer of Acts that tells us they all got in line and they dropped their grains and then they burned them. Or they passed the bucket and they gathered all the grains. I would like to think, and this is just imagination here, that as they gathered and as the service started, boom! It's as though God says, look, it's not your sacrifices that I want right now in the way that you think of them. Instead, I am going to come down to your level. I will come down on one knee like you do with a three-year-old. And I'll talk to you in a language that you know. Not to make fun of you, not to belittle you, but so that you will know you are loved. You older people with bad hips. You younger people who are struggling with long division. You people who are from Detroit, from Flint. Those of you who are from Hollywood, from San Francisco. Those of you who have gathered here only because it's been thrust upon you by your parents. Those of you who are coming because you have glad and sincere hearts and want to follow God well, to all of you, I will make this promise, God says. That I'll give my spirit to you. What does that mean? 
Go back to Abraham. Again, Genesis chapter 12, immediately after the Tower of Babel. We have Abraham who is called and he is empowered. He is called by God to go into the world and bring blessings from God to the people of earth. And God would bless them for that. He would bless the world through Abraham. The end of Acts chapter 2, after God comes down and he unites the people who were once scattered by language, he calls out not one person, but everyone who wants to follow him, and he empowers them. And he sends us out. And he says, tell everyone that my power is still present. That's the big picture idea of Acts chapter 2, that God's power is present. Now, what we have to understand is there are lots of, you guys have heard these conversations of people arguing about what the power and presence of the Holy Spirit looks like. Well, I don't speak in tongues. Does that mean that I don't have the Holy Spirit? I can't heal people. Does that mean that I don't have the Holy Spirit? I want to suggest to you that these are the wrong questions to come to Acts chapter 2 with. The questions that we should be coming to Acts chapter 2 with are, What is God doing? And what we find in Acts chapter 2 is that God is still living and active through the power of his Holy Spirit in such a way that his spirit is seen and heard and his presence is known through the speaking of people that's being translated into the language it needs to be as it lands on people's ears. The Holy Spirit is equally present in the hearts and minds of those who have been pushed down by those who say that they follow God and are hearing instead a word from God saying you are loved and you, yes, you are empowered. Luke, who was there, he does absolutely nothing in this story except write down what happened. Even Luke, who does nothing significant on that day but just watches and tells other people about God's power and presence being available. It's filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's land this plane a little bit more. What does this mean for us today? We still have language barriers. We don't feel the Holy Spirit coming down in ways like this. We certainly, in a capitalistic country, don't want to embrace some kind of socialism. And I don't think that's what Acts is getting at either. But I do think here's where it becomes extremely applicable for us today. We are a people in Jenison who are not of one culture, not of one language, not of one background. We are a collection of people who are old and young, educated, not educated. We speak different languages. Some of us still speak English, but we have different languages within that, like POG. I still don't know exactly what POG means. Some of you do. You younger people. Hip. Some of you younger people don't know what that means besides this. But some of you older people know what that means. But we can draw lines of separation, can't we? In our confusion of who God is, we can push people away. We can isolate ourselves and go to our own communities and speak our own language and have our small group of people who agree with what we say and believe. But it is the power and the presence of God that is able to draw together people who disagree about so many things. And we're able to come together to share meals, to give what needs to be given to help take care of the people in the area. It's the people of God in whom we see the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes that might mean a Peter who's standing up and preaching and there's tongues happening. Sometimes that might mean enduring the long, difficult nights of taking care of a loved one when you have to go beyond the patience that you yourself have. Sometimes it means boldly having a conversation with someone because the spirit within you reminds you of the things that God has taught you. Sometimes what that means is being faithfully present enough when people are gathered to mentally collect the stories of God's faithfulness like Luke did and to communicate that to the people who come after you. 
Sunrise is a place. <clears throat> I love this about the elders, the directors, the staff. We do not want to be a church who's all about programs, who wants success to be what every other church says that success should be. We instead want to be a group of people who are dedicated exactly to what it is. Acts chapter 2 shows us that the first followers here of Jesus were dedicated to. Teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer. And even giving up some of our things in order to take care of other people. What happens in Acts chapter 2 isn't necessarily prescriptive. This is not Luke saying every church needs to do just these things, but it is at least descriptive of what happened on this day. And all of this work that's done by the apostles is in response to what the Holy Spirit had done. There was no work on behalf of the apostles to get the Holy Spirit to come close and to begin to do things. There was no dancing. There was no pattern. It was a gift from God coming down from heaven, not people climbing a ladder of here's what I have to do to get to God. It was a gift of God. We believe that at sunrise, if we can focus on these things, if we can focus on God's word, on community with each other that empowers each other, if we would humbly pursue what God has equipped us through his spirit to do, that it'll change lives. It'll change your life. It'll change my life. God's power is present. God, we come to you this morning as a people who live lives that are miles down the road from when these two stories we looked at happened. It can be confusing to gather up all of the details of the Tower of Babel and then to gather up the details of Acts chapter 2 and then to figure out who we're supposed to be. So God, in this moment, I want to stop talking I want to pray that you, God, would you work in the hearts and minds of the people who are here. Peter wasn't the one who was doing any of the heavy lifting at Pentecost. It was you. It was your Holy Spirit who somehow between the throat of Peter and the ears of the listeners spoke deeply into the hearts of your people. God, I don't know exactly what words the people who are online or in this room need to hear. But God, I know that based on this story, you're living and you're active. And so if you're watching online, if you're in the room here, I just want you to just listen for a minute. Not for necessarily an audible voice from God, but... Since the Holy Spirit was given to everyone who follows Jesus this day of Pentecost. Frankly, it means you don't need me to tell you much. those in this room who need encouragement I pray that they would find the depths of the greatest encouragement from you for those here who are in need that you give them the boldness to trust you to reach out and ask for help for those who are tired and traveled a long way and been misunderstood for so long the tired moms and dads bullied students 
or the exhausted employee. God, it's because of the work of your son, Jesus, in his life, death, and resurrection, and the gift of your spirit who empowers us still today, that we are driven to respond to you in a way that embraces your power and your presence here. We confess of the ways that we've tried to build stairways to you, how those things have only led to confusion and loss of community. We pray that even now in this time and space that you would unite this church. That you would reunite families. That you would give us exactly what we need for this week. As you have called us to be a people who tell others about you with our words, and even with just our eating and drinking. We're coming to you asking for these things because you're the one who showed up at Pentecost. You're the one who raised Jesus from the dead. And you're the one we want to follow. In Christ's name, amen. At the end of every service, we sing a song. We give people an opportunity to donate funds. We haven't done this before, and I don't know how people are going to respond to this, but I also want to open it up for people to respond if you have a need. Come on up. Can, I, can you guys come on up, the Nykirks? Um, I don't know what needs you might have, whether it's physical, spiritual, emotional, financial. We might not be able to (laughs) reset a bone. But I do believe that it's in the small things that even the followers of Jesus did in Acts 2, of just communicating your needs so that other people can help cover for them is a good and healthy thing for the church to do. I don't know what spiritual gifts you have, whether it's giving financially, whether it's standing up and singing with everything you've got giving somebody a hug or a word of encouragement or even stepping forward and asking what can I do to help. I just want to open the door for that to happen. You guys lead us in a song. I know a lot of you have been through a lot. Um, I get texts, I get emails, um, and I have women that are praying with me for all of you. If you need prayer, it doesn't matter what it is, stand up and just let us pray over you. Is that okay? Sure. I know it's a bold thing to do, but you got a big God who wants to hear from you. Humble yourselves and just stand up and say, I need you, God. I'm tired and I've been through enough and I need a touch. So if you would, just stand up.
come to you today in my heart. and sing. If you want to come up for prayer, you're welcome to do that. Why don't you guys go ahead and stand again? Stand back up. Oh. 
There is no formula. There's no scaffolding needed. There are no plans that can be drawn up for us to build a stairway to God. But God comes down and loves you whether you are a wildcat or an eagle. Blue collar, white collar, no collar, retired, unemployed, learning to crawl, or learning how to deal with retirement. God gave himself in the person of Jesus and again in the presence of his Holy Spirit. So as you go into this week, would you know that you're not going alone? You've got a circle of people around you in this room and online who claim together to follow Jesus with you. And that even more than that, God himself and the presence and power of God goes with you into this week. We love you, and we'll see you next week.